Usually I give you a passage that we will be in. Today we, we are going to end up in the book of Acts. So if that's where you want to uh, kind of look to, you can. We have been in a series in Acts. And so the theme verse there is Acts 1.8. And you will receive power as the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we've been... As we've been going through the book of Acts, we've seen the gospel witness go from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and now we're seeing it go to those uttermost parts as Paul has been in Philippi, uh, Thessalonica, Berea. Last week we were in Athens, right? And then uh, eventually we'll come to Corinth here, maybe before uh, the end of July. Corinth, yes, after Baptism Sunday. So as... People were saved, they were baptized. That is the pattern that we see in the early church. And so this morning I want to talk about what baptism says, all right? Uh, what baptism says, why should I be baptized? This, should, this is good for all of us, and uh, so uh, we'll look at that today. And so before we begin, let's have a word of prayer, and we're going to dive in together. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, I pray that it speaks to our heart and our life. We thank you that it is able... Um, to correct, to guide, and encourage, and strengthen us, Lord God. And so, Lord God, we pray uh, you just for an open heart this morning for the help of your Spirit. We ask it in your name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to hit a, f- a couple points here, like four of them, right up the, off the bat. And, and then we're going to look at how that was lived out in the book of Acts. So what does baptism say? First of all, baptism says, I have made a commitment to follow Christ. I've made a commitment to follow Christ. It is a statement that I've made a decision to follow Christ and that I have made him my Lord and my Savior. Okay? It's a statement. It's an outward sign of what God has done in our heart. So we use things like that in our culture, right? So I often refer to my wedding ring, right? Okay? Now, we, if you're married, often you have a wedding ring, right? It is a symbol of your commitment and the vows that you have made to somebody that you love, right? To your spouse. And so, um, baptism, when we baptize you, it is a symbol that I have made a decision to follow Christ. And in our culture, um, it is it's very accepted. Usually nobody's going to ostracize you for being baptized in water, but in some cultures, especially um, uh, closed countries, for people to be baptized, they, they could even be put in their life on the line. Because if it was caught out that they were being baptized and it's not the state religion, uh, their life could be, they could be thrown into prison, they could be executed, the list goes on. But it is a sign of our commitment. Martin Luther often, um, he would keep his baptismal certificate, I believe, on the wall. That's what I've been told anyway. Um, if you want to Google it, you can find out. But, um, but he would keep it on the wall, just a reminder that he was saved, all right, and that he had made a commitment to follow Christ. And wh- why, why is that important? Because sometimes I think as we go through our Christian walk, there's going to be good days where we feel like, yeah, man, I am saved. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, devil, you better watch out. And then there's other days it's kind of like you wake up and it's kind of like, I don't know <laughs> if I'm saved or not, all right? And it's a reminder that I've made a commitment to follow Christ. This is what Peter says, 1 Peter 3.21, And this water symbolizes baptism, which now saves you, not the removal 
of dirt from the body, but a pledge of a good conscience towards God. All right? So it's baptisms. You know, water baptism, if you look at church history, baptisms were very common, okay? And they represented a lot of different things. And so in Scripture, we'll see initially we see water baptism, but it is who is doing it? John the Baptist, right? And his baptism was a baptism of repentance, all right? And so it wasn't the same thing as being baptized in the name of Jesus, all right? And so that would be just one example of other baptisms that were there. So people would be baptized maybe more than uh, one time, uh, depending on what it represented, all right? Number two, baptism says not only have I made a commitment to follow Christ, but that I have been born again. And so this came up in our Wednesday night class. What does it mean to be born again? So Jesus has this conversation in John chapter 3 about um, being born again with Nicodemus, right? He says you must be born again, talking about a spiritual rebirth that happens in our life, all right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, all right? And so it talks about that spiritual rebirth that takes place. So baptism illustrates perfectly what happens in our lives when we make a decision to follow Christ and make him our Lord and our Savior. So when we place you under the water, you know, by immersion, okay, we get every hair, we can make sure it's all, no. Um, but we place you under the water, it symbolizes something. It symbolizes that you're an, actually a watery grave, that you've died to an old way of life. But we don't leave you there, right? I've never left anybody there, all right? But when you come up, it symbolizes the resurrection. I thought about it with Karen, but no. No. Um, but it symbolizes resurrection, right? And does Scripture talk about that? Yeah, it does. So Romans 6, 1 through 4, again, Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? That's a question, rhetorical. By no means, he says, exclamation mark. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it? any longer. So it talks about that death. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Amen? So water baptism is a statement that my life has been changed, that I'm a new creation in Christ. And I've made him my Lord and my Savior. The old has passed away and the new has come. All right? Number three, baptism says that I'm part of God's family. All right? So we don't, um, baptism is not representative of a membership. But usually for membership, we require water baptism. We want you to be baptized in water. It doesn't mean that you belong to a specific church. Now, some churches may view it that way. We do not. We want you to be baptized in water uh, since you have believed, all right? So if you've done that in a Bible-believing church, we don't require you to be baptized in water again. Now, if you want to be, that's great. Or maybe life has happened. Maybe you start off serving God, and then you, what we use the term backslid, or you just lost your way, and then you come back to God. Um, baptism, to just reaffirm that commitment, is um, that's an okay thing to do, all right? But it symbolizes that I'm part of God's family. So in John chapter 3, 5, this is 
where he's talking to Nicodemus. He says, Jesus answers, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So it's part, we're part of God's family, not just the, the local church, but we're part of God's whole family, right? And we're part of his fellowship. So the Spirit is the inward witness that we are part of God's family. Water baptism is the outward witness that we're not part of God's family. All right? You good? All right. Number four, water baptism says that I am following the pattern in Scripture. Amen. How many of you are rule followers? All right. All right, well, we know that the rest of you aren't then, right? Okay, now we'll just see, um, you know, we're going to follow you as you drive this week and just see how much of a rule follower you are. Uh, <laughs> I noticed, Mary Beth, you were being honest there, so yes. <laughs> um, baptism says that I am following the guidance that we see in Scripture. So the first person that we see to be baptized in this manner would be Jesus. Now, John was baptizing, right? He was baptizing people out in the wilderness, and it was a baptism of repentance. People were getting their life right with God, and they were being baptized. But one day, Jesus makes his way to John and says, hey, I need to be baptized. And John says, no, I need to be baptized by you. And John says, no, you're going to baptize me. And he goes to fulfill Scripture. So this is in John, uh, Matthew 3, 13 through 17. It says, then Jesus came from the Galilee to the Jordan, so from the north to the south, to be baptized. Well, it could, depending where they were on the Jordan River, to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and landing on him. And a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And so we see Jesus' water baptism, but we also see his spirit baptism there. And God would take him from there into the wilderness where he would be tempted for 40 days. Isn't that great, right? Yeah. He would fast and he would pray and be tempted for 40 days. And from there he would then go into what we would call his public ministry. All right, so Jesus would give then the command at the end of his ministry, after his death and resurrection, before he ascends to the Father, he gives us this command, Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So that was the instructions of Jesus but how was that practiced in the early church? Did they follow that? So we've been in the book of Acts, so we're just going to look at the book of Acts and just kind of, you can start in Acts chapter 2, and if you want to just follow along, you can, or you can follow along on the screen. But let's see how that was implemented within the early church. Our first occurrence is in Acts chapter 2. So they wait in the upper room. God gives them the Holy Spirit, um, the crowd gathers, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, talks to the crowd. Some of them were kind of hostile, all right? Others were interested in what had happened. People were there because it was the Feast of Pentecost. And as Peter spoke, as he was filled with the Holy Spirit, it said that 3,000 people responded to his message. 
And in Acts 2.38, it says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, that had been, you know, that had been a pretty incredible baptismal service, right? 3,000 people get saved that day and are baptized in water. That's a pretty good baptismal service uh, that had been great to be part of. So we see that happen there on the day of Pentecost. And then you have in Acts 8, persecution begins to break out against the church in Jerusalem. It scatters the church. And so Philip, who was helping out, ministering to widows, uh, the Greek widows in Jerusalem, finds himself up north in Samaria. All right, Jesus had some powerful ministry in Samaria. The woman at the well, that was in Samaria. That takes place in Samaria. So Philip is in Samaria, and he begins to preach, right? And people get saved, they get healed, they get delivered from demons. Even Simon the sorcerer, who was known as this great spiritual power in the community, is, is set free from that. Um, and so God begins to do some great things. They bring Peter and John in, and they place hands on them. They receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But this is what, um, in 8.12, this is what uh, we see here, written by Luke. But when they believe Philip... Uh, what he had proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And so one of those people was Simon the sorcerer um, that was delivered, set free, and and baptized in water. And then God wasn't done with Philip. He says, hey, I want you to go for a run. I'm going to take you to this major intersection out in the country. And he goes there. And this chariot's going by. He's a, an important official for the, for the queen in Ethiopia. And so God says, go run alongside his chariot. So that's what Philip does. He runs alongside the chariot. The guy's reading Isaiah 52, 53. He doesn't know what it means. Um, you know, that uh, this servant, suffering servant would suffer. He would die on the cross. I mean, it, it's pretty vivid what Isaiah says. And, and so Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, No. And so Philip gets in the chariot, explains it, talks about how it's fulfilled in Christ. And the eunuch says, hey, here's some water. And so 838 of Acts, this says he gave orders for the chariot to stop. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip was baptized. Isn't that cool? And it says then the Spirit of God would take Philip. We don't know if he kind of like, he just zipped away or what. That's the way it kind of makes it sound. But the eunuch went his way. Uh, We don't hear anything more about the eunuch. What we do know, though, is that in northern Africa, where he was from, that there would be a strong concentration of Christianity in years that followed. It seemed like God had a reason to reach out to that eunuch. All right. Then you go to Acts chapter 9. So we mentioned persecution was breaking out. Some of that was at the hands of Paul. At this time, he's called Saul, right? He's persecuting the church. He kills Stephen. And he's on his way to Damascus to, to kill or put in prison believers, those that are followers of what they called the way, followers of Christ. But it, when he's on his way, God gets his attention. He's blinded. He's knocked off his donkey. God, Jesus speaks to him. He has this encounter with Jesus. He's blinded, though. They take him into Damascus. Ananias, a, a servant of God, a disciple, God talks to him and says, hey, I want you to go pray for Saul. It's kind of like, yes. I don't think that was his immediate response. His immediate response was, hey, isn't he the one that's been persecuting Christians, right? 
and you want me to go pray for him? And, and uh, the Holy Spirit says, yes. And so he goes and prays for him, and this is what it says, Acts 9, 18. Immediately scales fell off of Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, and he was baptized. He was baptized in water and also filled with the Holy Spirit, if you read on there. So we see he is baptized. And then we go to Acts chapter 10. The story doesn't end. Now Peter has these visions, and uh, he's supposed to go and and eat these animals that are considered unclean by the Jewish people. And God has to give that vision to him three times. And finally, he gets the point that he's supposed to go to uh, this open door that's open to him. And so Roman soldiers come, and it's kind of like the state troopers coming to your house and knocking on the door. It's kind of like, oh, why are they pulled into my driveway, right? And, um, and so they, they come and say, hey, our master, Cornelius, he wants you to come and speak to us. And so um, Peter goes. And what you have to understand from a Jewish perspective, for them to go into a Gentile home, there was restrictions there. All right? And so God was saying, hey, I'm, I'm releasing you. You have my blessing to go and do this. I want you to do this. They are my people. So Peter goes and preaches to not only Cornelius, but the whole household, all the people that have gathered there. And they hear what Peter has to say but they don't wait for the altar call. All of a sudden, they begin speaking in other tongues. And usually we see tongues as evidence of the spirit baptism, right? But in this case, it, w- it, it symbolized much more. It symbolized that God had accepted these Gentile believers into his family and that he included salvation to them, all right? And why? Because he had also given them the Holy Spirit just as what had happened on the day of Pentecost, and so what do they do? Acts 10.48, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So he did some discipleship after that. So I like this. So note, not only is Cornelius baptized, but who else? His whole household is baptized, all that believed. Okay. Now we go to... Acts 16, 15, so this is where we've kind of been in, our, in the book of Acts recently. This is in Philippi, the first place that they end up in Macedonia after his vision. Again, you notice visions play a pretty big role in the book of Acts as God is directing people and how they should minister, where they should go. And so the, some of the first people they meet in Philippi is Lydia and people with her, uh, her household, and they hear what Paul has to say, and they believe, and so it says in verse 15 of chapter 16, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to their home, and and so Paul, Luke, uh, Silas, they would stay with her. We don't know how long, but she, she probably was a wealthy woman because she was a dealer in what kind of cloth? Purple! I think that's a sign there, okay? Purple, all right? Purple cloth. And um, that usually, it was just, it was an expensive material. And so, um, and she obviously had a, a big enough house. Most of the homes there in, those, in, the, in that day and age, you know, would just be for immediate family. Not everybody got their room, right? In our culture, we kind of get used to that. Everybody gets their room, you know. When our kids were young, I think we put all three in one room at one point. So, uh, depending on what ho- home we were in, but they eventually grew out of those, but... Um, Anyway, 
The point we want to see here is that Lydia and her whole household are baptized in water. Amen? So then we go on to still Acts chapter 16 because it's not done yet. Um, Paul delivers a, a servant lady from a, a demon. It allowed her to tell the future. Her owners made money off of her. And Paul sensed that she was demon-possessed. He prays for her. She's set free. That's a great thing, right? But the people that owned her just lost their investment, right? Um, and they were pretty upset about it. They stir up the city. Paul and Silas are arrested. They're thrown in prison. And so that's the story where they're in jail singing praises to God in the middle of the night. God shakes the prison. Their chains come off. The jailer and his whole household get saved. In, as a result of this. And so in verse 33, it says, At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. So Paul and Silas, they had been flogged, so their, their back was all ripped open with these wounds. Then immediately all, uh, him, the jailer, and his whole household were baptized. All right? There again, the household. Notice that. Acts chapter 18 so Paul would go from Philippi to Thessalonica, then to Berea, then to Athens. That's where we were last week. And then he would eventually end up in Corinth, and he'd be there 18 months. And so we see in uh, chapter 18, verse 8, Crispus, the synagogue leader. So think about that. So he was one of the main leaders in the Jewish community. He accepts Christ, and him and his whole household believe again. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed, and they were baptized. There again, the whole household. And then our last one in the book of Acts is Acts 19.5. So now Paul is he's traveling through what is what they called Asia. It would be modern-day Turkey uh, near Ephesus. Ephesus, all there is there now is ruins because during some of the battles that took place in history, it was laid waste, but Paul is there, and he talks to these disciples. You see that in the first part of Acts chapter 19, and he talks to them about the Lord, and he says, you know, have you been baptized? Do you know Jesus? They said, well, they don't know Jesus, and baptism, he said, yeah, we've been baptized by John. He goes, well, that was a baptism of repentance, so he tells them about Jesus, and Verse 5 says, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And then Paul would place hands on them. They'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so we see that these disciples were filled. And it says there how many there were if you go up to the previous verses. I don't know. There's more. There's like four or five or more so uh, that are filled with the Holy Spirit and they're baptized. So as the gospel went forth, lives were changed and transformed through God's grace, mercy, and Holy Spirit. And as they believed, they were, they were baptized, right? So what does baptism say? Baptism says, hey, I've made a commitment to follow Christ. And in that day and age, it was a statement to the world around them. And still in our day today, it is a statement that I've made a decision to follow Christ. It is a statement that I've been born again. Okay, There's, I'm a new creation. I'm part of God's family. And that I am living my life in obedience to Scripture. Now, I've baptized old and young alike. And we follow the Lord in baptism out of obedience. And I will say, does it save me? Well, there's some of the verses that kind of make it sound like it is, you know, that in baptism, which saves you, right? 
So it almost sounds like it. What I will say is that we are saved by grace through faith alone. Now, I am baptized in obedience to Scripture because it symbolizes what God has done in my life. And if I can't follow the Lord in water baptism, what am I going to be willing to follow the Lord in? Okay? Now, um, we've had some. We've, had, we've baptized people that have been in wheelchairs. We did that out at Walnut Creek. We did one out there. We almost baptized the dog with one of the guys there. All right. Um, one of the stories that I, I uh, just has a lot of memories is in our first place of ministry. And um, a lady, her name was Donna. She was retired. Her and her husband retired. He was with Hughes Aircraft. Um, they retired early, I think early 60s. Um, and they, they were a great blessing to us in ministry, especially when we were green. We were just coming out of Bible college. Um, they were a great blessing to us. And they had walked with the Lord many years, kind of grew up in the Lutheran church, and then I think the charismatic movement and things, they had been uh, were spirit-filled, and, and uh, their lives had really been changed by that. And so they kind of came back. They kind of grew up in that area of North Dakota, and they were back there. But... One, one of the Sundays I was talking about baptism, she goes, well, you know, I've never been baptized in water. It's kind of like, well, if there's anybody that, that, you know, I had thought had been baptized in water, it would have been her, you know. And she goes, I've never been baptized in water. And, and the issue was is that she could not get water in her ears just because she'd had some really s- significant issues with getting water in her ears. And so we solved that problem. We gave her some of those foam earplugs, some good earplugs. And uh, we baptized her down at the river and uh, there in Harvey, North Dakota. It was pretty cool. And then I had a, uh, his name was Rick Free. And he was a farmer in the area. And he showed up on Easter Sunday. Uh, just one of the Easter Sundays, we'd always do a breakfast, kind of like we do here. And he showed up and he jumped in. And he'd come from a Lutheran background. Good good family for the, for the most part. Um, but he had had an, uh, a time in his life where he was in a plane accident, just a, a, you know, um, a small plane accident. I think he maybe flew himself, and um, his life was spared. But it was, he really saw that God had really spared his life. And it was a turnaround moment in his life, and he really began to seek out churches, and he ends up at our church. And he came on that Easter Sunday, uh, helped out with breakfast, and accepted Christ, and Talk to him there. We're good? All right. Um, And so I would talk to him about baptism. I said, you know what? I I know your parents did the infant baptism thing, and they did that in faith for you, and you're confirmed. But I said, you know, God's really done something in your life, and you've made that commitment to Christ. Um, and uh, so we, we would talk about it, and it was always nice and cordial. And, and some of you I know maybe that falls into your experience. Maybe you were baptized as an infant. There some of the early church, not early as we're talking about, but later on the church would adopt that uh, with original sin, we're all born into sin. And I believe that, but they thought the way around that is to baptize as an infant. And um, But Scripture is pretty clear of just that idea of believer's baptism. So... Um, we talked about it, but one day I, he goes, yeah, why don't you come out to my, my place? And so I came out to his farm and he had a stock tank all filled up. We you know one of those, 
uh, kind of elongated ones, and had it all full of water, and uh, he jumped in, and I baptized him there, and uh, got him baptized. Um, I think he was very sensitive that he did not want to dishonor his parents. That was m- one of the things there. And I, and, and I really encourage people that, that, you know, I had encouraged you to be baptized in water by immersion, if, even if you were infant baptized. That's something your parents did in faith, but I don't want you to in any new way um, dishonor them. So you can have that discussion, and I think you can do it in a way that symbolizes that, hey, God has done something special in my life. This is something I'm doing because I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ, all right? And I appreciate the the heritage and the upbringing that you gave me as parents, but this is my decision, and this is I'm placing my faith in Christ, amen? And so the question for everyone here today is, have you followed the Lord in water baptism since you believed? Um, to me, it's not... Uh, you know, yeah, I have or I haven't, it is that, but it's not an option. It's not like, yeah, I would like to be baptized. It is something that I believe that God calls all believers to. You know, what if you get saved and your life is taken just like that? The thief on the cross. He was not baptized, was he? Um, I believe he's with God in heaven, right? He said, Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Uh, But I think if we have the opportunity to do that, we need to take advantage of that because there again, it's that matter of obedience. Amen. And that's why we even um, moved ahead with the tank this way, you know, just baptizing people out of Walnut Creek, you know, in December 31st on, on New Year's is just a little chilly. Even on Easter, you know, Easter was a very common time for people to get baptized uh, in church history. All right. Um, it would be pretty chilly out there, right, in Easter. So, um, we're hoping that as people come to know Christ, we can we can act on that a little bit quicker and maybe offer them a couple times a year. It'd be cool if we did them every quarter that we're seeing people get saved that often. So, amen? Praise God. I'm going to have you stand this morning, have the musicians come. Who should be baptized? Maybe I'll address that here as they're making their way up. Well, I don't think there's any age restriction as far as old. Um, If you've made that decision to know Christ, I think you need to get baptized. As far as young, I think um, you need to be old enough that you understand what baptism means. And so mom and dad, you can have that discussion with your child. I can have that discussion with them. Uh, But they need to know that, hey, I've made a decision to follow Christ. And I understand what it means. They don't have to recite my sermon, but um, but they should know what it means. All right. Um, so um, that's important. So I'm going to meet briefly. If you want to be baptized, if you're needing to be baptized, how about we put it that way? Um, this row is saved for you up here this morning. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. That's the most important. That's where it begins. Baptism is great. But if we haven't placed our faith in Christ, Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, uh, that's where it all begins, right? That's where it all begins. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation and then just a prayer over our lives uh, this morning. So let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, come into our heart and into our life. If there's someone here that hasn't just made that public Lord God, you have promised that you would come into our heart if we confess 
uh, our sins. We confess you as our Lord and our Savior and believe in our heart. You have said we will be saved. And so, Lord God, I, if that's our prayer this morning, come in. Fill us with your joy, with your presence. You forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us. Place your righteousness within our heart and our life, Lord. And be with us. And Lord, we, uh, I just ask your blessing upon each one here today, Lord God. May your blessing be upon each one. May your face shine upon us. And be with us, Lord. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Is that your prayer this morning? Amen. Father, we thank you for what you do in our hearts and in our lives. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for the relationship that we can have with the living God. And Lord, I pray that you would go with us this week. Let us be a living testimony of your grace and mercy and to offer hope to the world around us, Lord, to those that are seeking and that are looking. Lord God, go with us. May your face shine upon us. Grant us your peace. We ask this in the precious and the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Praise God. God bless you this morning. Greet each other as you leave. If you are needing to be baptized, meet me right up front here.